This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. You know you can't do this forever. I can barely do it now. Steppenwolf, this is the job. It's my job. And I haven't been doing it. I've been reacting. Not leading. You know what you said about Steve It wasn't my business, I'm sorry. You were pushing me to lead the team. But leaders get people killed. I fought, always, when I was needed. But to lead, to step into the light and to say to people, this is worth your life. When it's your fault, they're all Steve Trevor. We make it through tonight. You can stay in the shadows forever. Dress up like a bat. I won't even sue. If we get through the night. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Bat Fans. Yes, we're still here, and we are on episode 172. My name is Tim, and joining me, as always, is Dane. Dane, how's it going? It's going good, Tim. How have you been? <laughs> it's been a busy, interesting last few weeks <laughs> since our last episode, I will say. Just, you know, life throwing stuff at you and things getting in the way. And I'm also in that state where, you know, job searching right now. So that's been my, <laughs> I guess, what I've been doing the last few weeks is just sending out applications and res- my resumes out there so that's which is always fun as you know <laughs> but so so what happened to your last job yeah just things didn't quite work out where mm. the business really slowed up oh, i see yes <laughs> pretty much ended up in the loss of work so had to start looking elsewhere well it's the it's the beginning of a beginning right tim <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's always a good way to look at it just that feeling of anxiousness that's hard to shake when you're in that in that period of looking for work and you don't have anything just yet so that's yeah. all like the hardest part but hopefully some will turn up speaking of jobs um i didn't know and i'm not t- saying this to <laughs> to be like you should work here but um i i didn't know mcdonald's has a 401k really neither did i yeah that's like, good though uh, yeah full benefits and yeah, you know, everyone's like, I don't know if it's still like that now, but working at McDonald's always been like the butt of like work jokes, yeah, type things. But I seems like if they're offering a four hundred one k and benefits, I mean, why why not? Yeah, <laughs> if yeah. that offers a lot of good stuff like that, there's no shame. Yeah, why not? I mean, I wonder if you can. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, there must be full time employment there, right? Like in the in, in the actual restaurants. Yeah, I think there has yeah. to be a management and all that stuff. Yeah, management. But 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 it but if you're just a regular worker, 
you know, there there has to be full time full time work there, right? Oh, that's a good question. Never really looked into it, but yeah. Maybe we'll have to now. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's 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 McDonald's for you, Tim. Um, you know, if you if you want to work at McDonald's, there's a four hundred one k. There's benefits. There's and there's plenty of locations to choose from. That's for oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's been my fun last two weeks. <laughs> well, but, um, I, I I will say. Even if you don't find another job, let's say like you 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 put out all your resumes and nothing comes back, right? You go to these interviews and nothing happens. Mm. At least you have more time to to read comic books and play video games and watch movies. <laughs> we just need the money to do those things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least I should say for new comics and stuff. Because unfortunately, that's going to play into this week's episode. Yeah. <laughs> As I guess I'll just say it right now. Uh, no comic reviews for this episode. I haven't had a chance to even get to my comic shop since our last episode. So I'm behind on just the latest issues there. So <laughs> no comic book reviews at the end. But I will be reviewing something else at the end of the episode. So stay tuned for that. But uh, as always, I guess before we get going, we got to start with our Dark Knight Rises minute-by-minute commentary. And we are officially starting the two-hour point of the film. So we made it there last episode, and now we're officially in the two-hour mark. So are you ready, Dane? Of course. All right. So if you got your VHS tape, your Betamax tape, your Laserdisc, your DVD, your HD DVD, your projector, your Blockbuster video membership card, your Netflix physical media, and the best of all, your DVD or VHS to DVD converter. So if you got all those fantastic media formats that I mean are just the cream of the crop when you're looking for best quality. <laughs> we have all those ready to go. I'll give the countdown in three, two, one, go. As Foley slams the door shut on Gordon. Have you ever done that? Slam, slam the door in somebody's face like that? Mm. No, I haven't, actually. Yeah, me neither. I think that only happens in the movies. <laughs> <laughs> and we see a little kid getting mugged for an apple, or actually he stole from these guys from the apple, but Selena's there to the rescue. And these are one of the early set photo shots I remember seeing, just yeah. Anne Hathaway taking down these thugs right here. But without context. And, you know, it's just an apple. I mean, I understand, you know, these are tough times in Gotham, right? Mm. But it's it's just an apple, right? You can do without one apple. <laughs> Maybe it's the principle of it. Like, no one yeah. can steal from our group or our turf. And Bruce is back in Gotham. We made which, it. <laughs> yeah, we made it this uh, to this point. <laughs> which, when we're, we're doing the minute commentaries, while he was in... You know, the cave, sound like we'll never get to this point, but here he is. Okay. <laughs> Another milestone. We're at the two-hour mark, and Bruce is back in Gotham. <laughs> so, all right, that's it for our minute-by-minute commentary, and that can lead us into our feature topic, which for this episode is pretty much our feature topic is going to be our news discussions <laughs> that we usually have afterwards because we've got a lot of new updates on the Batman Matt Reeves' film and also some new DC films that are coming out in a couple of years. And all this stuff happened last week, pretty much the two days or a day before our last episode 
came out and I was just thinking, man, our new episode's coming out. We just recorded, but I can't wait to talk about all this <laughs> new stuff that's coming out for the Batman because it's been pretty quiet on that front lately. I mean, we know Matt Reeves has been working on it. Production's been moving along. He's been, there's like only updates are really gotten for it is that, you know, Matt Reeves has completed his first draft or a second draft or he's going to be submitting a new revised script to Warner Brothers on this date. So that's pretty much all we've heard about it. But last week, the floodgates kind of opened as far as, you know, what we can expect for the Batman. So first off, um, I guess there's some good news and bad news to go with it, but we'll start with the good news first. Hey, Tim, I like how you put June 25th, 2011. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, just I, I just noticed that too. <laughs> so it came out uh, eight years ago, Tim. <laughs> You're listening to this episode in the distant, distant past. <laughs> But from the future, we time travel back uh, to what two thousand. What's the Batman Matt Reeves movie going to come out in two thousand twenty one, not two thousand eleven, which is two <laughs> years from now. So in two thousand nine, we're recording this episode. How <laughs> Matt Reeves' Batman film will be out in two years in two thousand eleven, but yet we recorded it in twenty nineteen. <laughs> I know it's 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 weird how time works, right? Yep, time I'm travel. creating I'm creating a time paradox with my show notes here. <laughs> No, but the big news is that the Batman has an official release date, and it will be June 25th, 2021. And that was always a question as far as, are they going to be able to like start filming soon so it can make the 2020 release date? And even when Matt Reeves was first sent out, there was, remember, talks or maybe hopes that if it gets going quick enough, maybe it can pull off a 2019 release date. But obviously, we know that's not happening. But it's really good to know that we have a confirmed official release date that we can look forward to for a brand new Batman movie, June 25th, 2021. And when you think about it, it's not too far off, really. I mean, as we talked about our last episode, how time just keeps flying by. Two years is going to go like that, especially with all the other great stuff we have coming down the pipeline to look forward to. So um, it might seem like, you know, a bit of a ways to wait. One more than we were expecting when we first heard that Matt Reeves was doing the Batman. But um, first off, he should take all the time he needs, which I'm glad they're not rushing him to make sure to get a Batman movie out. Just let him write the script, get it the way he absolutely wants it. Take all the time needed for pre-production, principal photography, all that stuff. So I'm just glad it's there's a big window for him to make the movie that he wants to make. And I think we'll all be willing to wait a little bit longer <laughs> to get a Really great new solo Batman film. And it's kind of crazy to think how we're just doing our Dark Knight Rises minute by minute commentary. But by the time the Batman comes out, it'll be almost 10 years since the last live action solo Batman movie with the Dark Knight Rises. It'll be nine years. So which I think is a pretty big gap in between releases of solo Batman movies. And it'll even be, I would say, a pretty nice gap between uh, Justice League and this this next Batman movie will be about four years so, and that kind of leads into the other big news that <laughs> came out of this, because Deadline was the one that had this report about um, the release date for Bat- the Batman and a few other new DC movies, which we'll get into later. But after that, um, they reported in their article, it says that Ben Affleck will be passing the torch to another Batman, which, you know, was leading to what we've been hearing previously about Ben Affleck leaving the role of Batman, but still not you know, 100% confirmation since it's coming from a trade. But uh, 
the sealing of the deal, I guess, came when just a few minutes after the story went up, Ben Affleck, quote, tweeted this report from Deadline saying, excited for the Batman in summer 2021 and to see Matt Reeves' vision come to life. I think the key word there being see. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's pretty much Ben Affleck con- confirming he is done in the role as Batman because I don't think he'd be, quote, tweeting that story that specifically says in the headline of the tweet, Ben Affleck passing the torch. Ben Affleck wouldn't quote that tweet with, with saying that, expecting him to be in it. But no, that's his way of saying, you know, I'm confirming and acknowledging that, yes, this is, I'm done playing Batman, but I'm still excited to see Matt Reeves' Batman movie, not to make Matt Reeves' Batman movie or star in Matt Reeves' Batman movies to see it as just as an audience member. So, um, yeah, that's obviously disappointing for all those, me, myself included, who really, really enjoyed Ben Affleck's performance as Batman. But at the same time, in no way was I shocked <laughs> that this was announced by Ben Affleck himself. If anything, I was just more relieved that, okay, good, it's finally confirmed. We could put it to bed. He's officially done, and we can move on with, you know, getting ready to see who will be our next Batman in Matt Reeves, hopefully series, but at least uh, first Batman film that he's going to make. So, yeah, kind of a good news, bad news situation there. But again, the bad news is something that we've been expecting for a while now, and if anything, it's just great that we can finally move on from it and accept it that Ben Affleck is done as Batman. So, yeah, that was kind of the first big <laughs> news that came out for the Batman. So, yeah, it's to me, I'm excited for it. And, yeah, it's disappointing for to lose Ben Affleck as Batman because he did a great job in what he had. And, of course, not in Batman v Superman for me personally, not everything of how his Batman was written was what I wanted to see. But he still did a great job portraying the character for a live action version of Batman that I think will will be remembered for a long time, but also just kind of one that was so utter, underutilized and just unfortunate that we won't get to see Ben Affleck's solo Batman movie that we were just expecting for so long. But uh, that's going to be the biggest you know disappointment of it all, just that he really didn't get a chance to shine fully on his own as Batman in his own movie, which I think could have been awesome. But um, I'm just excited to see what Matt Reeves has in store for us in this the next chapter in Batman cinematic history. So uh, closing the book on one, but the start of another, and I'm excited for that. Makes me wonder how it's going to work. You know, like Ben Affleck was in Batman vs. Superman and Justice League, and you know now a new actor is going to be playing Batman mm-hmm. in uh, the, the Matt Reeves movie. So like, how is that going to work? Like, or is... Are they are they gonna do like a, a a flashback in time, or are they gonna do like a like Ben Affleck's coming back, but only for like the joint movies, or is it like... uh, Ben Affleck's done, man? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's coming back at all. But that is a good point, and honestly, that is gonna be one of the things I'm most curious about to see how they handle it. I mean, for right now, I'm thinking they might just you know ignore continuity just let matt reeves do what he wants and if it doesn't outright contradict anything that was established in ben affleck's batman movies um then you can kind of put it in the same universe but at the same time i don't think he's going to be holding to anything that happened there and all signs point to that they're looking for someone that a younger batman than what ben affleck was portraying so maybe if they wanted to it could be something that was took place earlier in his career and still have it be connected into that universe but 
at the same time too, maybe they'll just want to treat it as, you know, like they did in the nineties where Val Kilmer took over for Michael Keaton. It was all set in the same continuity and George Clooney for Val Kilmer. It's all the same continuity that was established in Batman 89, but just a different actor playing the role. And maybe that's just how they'll move along with it. It's kind of, you have to accept it's someone different as Batman now, but yeah. I don't know. That will be interesting to see what they decide to do ultimately. It's good to see Warner Brothers going back to its bread and butter. I mean, I I don't mean any offense to like Superman fans or Wonder Woman fans or Flash fans or what have you, right? But they they know that Batman makes money, so and and people are okay with that, so they're going back to it. I mean, even. Batman and Robin, the worst Batman film, made like two hundred thirty something dollars, <laughs> yeah, <hardly>. million dollars, <laughs> and you know, so it's it's good to see them going back to their bread and butter because I think this is what it needs right now, and you know, you you have a director like Matt Reeves, and it seems like they're giving them giving him space and time to do it. So yeah, so we'll see. Yeah, I just it is good that, you know, because that Batman is, like you said, kind of coming back and with his own solo movie now. But with Wonder Woman and Aquaman being as big of hits as they are, kind of, you know, the next level of DC heroes being up in the forefront with successful movies is awesome. But at the same time, you want to have, you know, the big guns up there as well with Batman and Superman. But unfortunately, it's going to be a while for Superman it looks like but it's always great to have batman be part of that and you know i've been hearing reports or not reports but actually direct quotes from those like the higher ups at warner brothers saying how they're really focusing on just you know telling singular superhero story movies and not worrying about crossovers and creating a universe as they tried to do previously which you know, I'm kind of torn on that because I think that's definitely the direction they need to go to have these movies be successful. But at the same time, I still want to see that connective universe tissue because we know it can work when you just look at the MCU and what Marvel has done. And it's just a shame that, you know, DC has yet to crack that code to make it work successfully. And I can understand why they're not focusing on that route, given, the, you know, the how Justice League wasn't a success financially and the mixed reactions to Batman versus Superman. So I get why they're doing that. And it's probably the right move. It's just, there's always going to be that fan in me that's thinking, oh, if only they just could have made it work like Marvel because we're seeing it work so successfully there. And I want to see the same for DC characters, seeing more of Batman and Superman with Wonder Woman and Aquaman and Green Lantern and Flash and all that stuff. So that's the one thing that is going to be in the back of my mind of always as, great as i'm hoping that these movies are going to be um the fact that they won't have much connective tissue uh, for me is going to be something that's just a little disappointing because we know it can work and it's a shame that it can't be done for dc but i it's definitely something that warner brothers should focus on just making sure their single uh solo movies for these characters are done right and that looks to be the focus so far with everything they have in production right now with batman um wonder woman 1984 and i'm sure assuming the upcoming aquaman sequel so yeah, I mean, really, it's an exciting time to, to to be excited for upcoming DC movies with these kind of announcements. And the other big news that happened with the re- announcement of the release date of The Batman is that um, we got two other DC movies. One's <laughs> pretty surprising, uh, but the other one is 
one that we knew was in development, but we just got got a little more details on. And the first one, <laughs> what was kind of surprising, is that they are getting a DC's uh, Super Pets film, which at first I thought oh, it's going to be an animated style type movie, but no, it looks like everything I'm reading so far is that it's going to be live action. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, that's kind of a strange choice to have one of your, uh, I guess, more one of your movies that's going to be coming out soon because I believe the release is May in May 2021, so it'll be before the Batman. So I just found it pretty interesting that that's a direction they wanted to go. But at the same time, hey, we see some strange stuff happen in comic book movies with strange characters <laughs> and creatures. So maybe they can make it work. I'm curious if, you know, that would be funny if that ends up like a team up movie of like Crypto, the Super Dogs, Ace, the Bat Hound and other <laughs> DC superhero pets. Like they have a team up movie and it becomes more powerful or more successful than Justice League <laughs> movie did. Talk about the irony of that habit, but we'll have to see. But that was a surprising announcement. But the other big story was that uh, the Suicide Squad, I'm not going to say sequel, but the next Suicide Squad movie has a release date for, uh, I believe that is August 6, 2021. So two months after the Batman. And it looks like that James Gunn will be directing that movie. I mean, it was announced previously that he was writing it and involved with, you know, the script. But now it's confirmed that he will be directing it as well. And the report from The Hollywood Reporter is saying that um, it's pretty much, I don't want to say a reboot, but it's definitely not going to be a sequel to the 2016 movie from David Ayer. It says it's going to come up with his own new set of characters he wants to use for it. And going back to what we we're talking about, uh, the focus being on, you know, focusing on just on the movie of these characters that directors want to tell. James Gunn has free reign to use whatever characters he wants, the story he wants to develop. It says it's going to be in a different direction than the previous movies. So um, I guess you can call it a quasi reboot <laughs> or just relaunch of the Suicide Squad. Maybe relaunch might be better because um, maybe it'll be, I assume it might take place in the same universe, but it's just going to be with a different batch of characters and maybe one or two from the previous film will make an appearance in it. Cause I'm still hoping Will Smith's Deadshot um, shows up in the suicide squad. Cause I love how Will Smith played uh, Deadshot in that film. I'd like to see him again and maybe Harley Quinn, but with birds of prey and some other Harley Quinn projects, I know Margot Robbie has in development. Maybe she won't be involved with suicide squad, but I don't know. It is, Interesting that they decided just to go full on a full blown, you know, relaunch and make it totally different than the previous Suicide Squad movie. But, you know, I'm excited that James Gunn is directing it. I'm a big fan of Guardians of the Galaxy. So if we can bring some of that flavor and in, into the DC universe, I'm all for it. And another interesting thing that was revealed is that Warner Brothers and DC kind of went to James Gunn and let him have his pick of what he wanted to do, what project he wanted to work on. And they even mentioned that Superman was on the table for him. And they had a little discussion about that. So um, I would, when that news first came out about James Gunn writing the new Suicide Squad movie, I was always wondering, is that something that he picked or did Warner Brothers offer that to him, knowing his success he had with Guardians of the Galaxy and doing a good job of writing for an ensemble cast of unique characters? So... Um, I got my answer with this as it looks like James Gunn did pick Suicide Squad as the project he wanted to work on next. So I think that, you know, is gives me more confidence in the movie because it's always better when 
you know, a direct writer director is doing something he really wants to work on and tell a story he really wants to tell instead of, you know, the studio kind of going to him and say, Hey, you want to do this? And sure you can get invested. The, the You can't get invested in your project when it's offered to you that way, I'm sure. But I think it adds a little more to it when you have the choice of doing something you really wanted to do and can really get invested in the characters and the story you want to create uh, for this project. So I think that's good news all on that front. So excited to see what James Gunn comes up with the Suicide Squad and what characters he's going to use and just, uh, how different it's going to be from the last one. So, um, yeah, I've got that and the Batman to look forward to as well as DC Superhero Pets in 2021. So mark your calendars. 2021 is going to be a big year for DC. Yeah, I think it, I think that that's a, it's a bad idea to for for James Gunn to be doing Suicide Squad. I, th- I think that they shouldn't come back in in movie form. I mean, I know why he did because it's a it's a group of you know strange characters that are wacky and stuff. But mm-hmm. I think that franchise or movie series shouldn't come back at this point. I just don't think that's a good idea, but. I've been wrong before, and I will say that um, here is your monthly reminder that Katana was, in fact, in Suicide Squad, <laughs> the, the, the movie. Um, also, yeah, she is, she is, you know, when you think about the Suicide Squad movie, she's not a character that immediately comes to mind as being the ones who are in it. Well, she, well, she doesn't really do anything, right? She, not really. Like, she, she, just she looked great, though. She's just introduced... Says she has like a cool sword, and then you never hear from her again. So, yeah, I don't think that this is a good idea. I mean, I understand, you know, it's, oh, it's James Gunn. James Gunn did Guardians of the Galaxy one and two, and so like Suicide Squad is the closest thing that DC has to Guardians of the Galaxy, and it's a bunch of weird characters and stuff. But I don't know. I don't know. I'm more excited for the Birds of Prey movie, um, but yeah, that that still kind of surprises me. Is that James Gunn would, since we now know this was his choice on the project he wanted to work on, that he would choose something that's a little similar to Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, I would have thought maybe you know, since just coming off of Guardians and you know being fired from the project in an unceremoniously way, he'd maybe want to do something a little more different especially if he had his pickings for any DC project they uh, wanted to work on. So I know it's surprising that he did decide to do something a little similar because I was expecting if it was his choice, he'd pick something different. So I know he just must be really excited about telling us the story with the Suicide Squad. So we'll see. I guess. I mean, he, he, he doesn't have to do much to make it better. So, yeah. <laughs> You're not wrong there. <laughs> Even though I do enjoy the Suicide Squad movie, I why? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's fun well, and entertaining. Well, I, I still think they did a good job with most of the characters, like I said, Deadshot, Harley, and it's, it's still a fun movie. I enjoy. So, you, you yes, it could have been you, better. But you, you know, what's one name that you know people don't bring up. You know, people always bring up Harley or um, Deadshot. Mm. Uh, people never talk about Slipknot. Yeah. <laughs> for good reason we all know why Slipknot was there so he, he could be there. there could be one Suicide Squad member who loses their head <laughs> <laughs> but going back to a little bit for Matt Reeves' Batman movie I mean that's another thing it's I think he himself called it the Batman interview interview so hopefully that's just 
the official title and it sticks. I don't think like Warner Brothers has officially officially said it's titled the Batman, but at this point, it's almost like they got to. <laughs> Everyone's yeah. calling it that. It's a cool title. It sounds great. So hopefully, the Batman is the title that sticks. Well, the Dark Knight was already taken. So yes, <laughs> I mean you can't do that anymore. So yeah, the Batman. <laughs> yeah, it just sounds cool. Yeah, especially I remember like for- forcing people to say the Batman, not just like okay, I'll I want to take it for Batman. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then, if, see, if I was working at a movie theater and someone goes, one, one for Batman, please, I go, sorry, uh, that movie came out 30 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> There's another movie called The Batman playing right now. You get a ticket for that. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when, after The Dark Knight came out, and we're wondering what the next movie would be called. Like, I think the p- most popular one was The Cape Crusader. Could just go on the different titles that batman would have that was the next one in line i guess after the dark knight but how about uh the gotham bat like they called him in uh, yeah Batman members of superman right did they call him the gotham bat or something or am i mixing that up no i think he did at some point no no yeah but that's my choice for um not not this upcoming matt reeves the batman but the next one the gotham bat oh <laughs> uh, well if that ever happens i'm gonna give you credit dane <laughs> the next reboot i hope they get a i mean we, we were talking about this last episode but i hope they get like a big actor for the villain um i'm not sure if has there been a villain announcement no everyone's pointing to the rumors about the penguin possibly hmm. having a lead role as the villain and there's there's even in this article from the Hollywood Reporter that I was about to mention with Matt Reeves sharing a little more details about Batman and the villains. They ask him about Josh Gad possibly playing the Penguin, and he just goes, "I'm good friends with Josh Gad. Like, like my daughter, like our kids go to school together. So something to that effect. Where like I like Josh Gad, so kind of playing coy with it. So right now, I guess the if you could call it the most significant rumor out there for a villain, it's the Penguin being played by Josh Gad, but. Uh-huh. We'll see. Yeah, I don't but know who that is, but he was yeah. um he was he does the voice of the we well, we can't obviously see him, but in Frozen he's the voice of the snowman. Hold on. And I'm I'm looking him up. Okay. <laughs> he was in the Beauty uh, and the Beast live action movie. Oh, like a portly kind of guy. Yeah, he, yeah. He's a portly fellow, which obviously goes into the <laughs> fan casting rumors of him being the penguin. I guess. I mean I, I guess I'm just waiting for like I don't know Tom Cruise to play the Riddler or something, you know, like not like See, that. Then you're going into '90s Batman era where yeah. all the villains had to make sure you're a big star name attached <laughs> to it, which is not the way to go. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I if mean, they're fit for it, yeah, but don't go out of your way to make sure you get a big action star or not even action star, but just a big movie star his yeah. name attached to it. But but I'm thinking, like, ever since Heath Ledger did the Joker, everybody's, like, got to be, like, this character actor from, uh, or that's, like, the fifth lead in an HBO show, you know? Yeah, I don't know. It's just, I, I trust him to just get whoever he believes is perfect for the role, just like Christopher Nolan did in all his movies. So yeah. that's what you like to believe. And I think Matt Reeves is definitely <laughs> one of those directors who would do just that. Right. But what's interesting, speaking of villains, in his latest interview with The Hollywood Reporter, um, he goes, uh, you can't have Batman without a villain, and there will be a rogues gallery. 
He says, we're starting to put together a battle plan in the process for casting his rogues gallery. As the studio has a definite shape in mind for when they see us doing it. And I think it's aligning pretty well with what we're thinking too. So we might not even just be getting one Batman villain in this. It might be a few, which again, could play into the story that I think Matt Reeves wants to tell here. Because again, every time he talks about what his plan and vision is for this Batman movie, just gets me so excited he, this this part is nothing new. We said it before, but I just love it every time he describes it where he goes. It's very much a point of view driven noir Batman tale. It's told very squarely on his shoulders, and I hope it's going to be a story that will be thrilling but also emotional. It's more Batman in his detective mode than we've seen in the films. And that part about this really being a detective story, that could be something where you could utilize a lot of the different members of Batman's rogues gallery. Because if there's a mystery going on and Batman's trying to solve you could see him trying to investigate, interrogate, or go up against different villains that he's come across over the years and just have a couple of red herrings out there as well where you think maybe it's this villain behind it, but actually it's this villain, this lesser-known villain who maybe we never would expect it to see be a main bad guy in a Batman movie. So a yeah. lot of different ways you can go with it. That just has me really excited. Is it just me, or um, are you also a little gun-shy when they announce that there's going to be multiple villains or there's more than one villain I mean, because yeah. because we got Batman Forever, we have Batman and Robin that has three, I think. Um, Spider Man, Spider Man three, three mm. Amazing Spider Man two. Yeah. You know, so like, <laughs> no, I agree. Uh, uh, are you also a little gun shy when it comes to like that sort of thing, where it's like, oh no, they're they're piling on with villains, and you know, uh, Spider Man's going to change into three different outfits. Also, <laughs> so like, uh, I don't know. Uh, a little bit, yeah. But like I just said, the what he has planned for detective story—that's what gives me confidence that I think it could really work yeah. in a cool way. And yeah, there's rare cases where, it, where I mean, I'm just going back to the Dark Knight trilogy. I, to me, that's the best example. The Dark Knight, specifically, of the perfect use of two villains, where it doesn't seem you know overstuffed. Uh, the stories, you know. We got one story here with one, the other story here with one, and then they come together at the end to team up to take down the hero, the classic cliche of supervillain team-ups. But the way Christopher Nolan did it with Two-Face and the Joker was so well done, so executed beautifully. That's the way to do it. So there is precedence for making a successful multiple villain story work. And again, um, going back to how much I think Matt Reeves is capable as a director to pull that off, just what I great job he's done with the planet of the apes films i mean Mm. um i just think he could pull that off with multiple villains and again just going back to that whole idea of telling a detective story is a perfect way to utilize that and just throwing these red herrings like i said out there or batman trying to come to get evidence or clues by visiting different villains who send them on a path to discover some other clue about the mystery he's trying to solve so even if it's like a villain in just one scene or two and that can tie into why he's saying there is a rogues gallery or maybe it's just a moment batman's in arkham and he's we see these villains in their cells and maybe batman's interrogating a few of them kind of what we've seen recently in tom king's batman comic run so maybe stuff like that but i'm just really confident it'll be a way that that really works and it won't feel oh there's too many villains here that take away from the over, overall story so yeah, i got I complete mean, confidence yeah that's true um if you look back at, uh, or, or, or just to like, I guess that's the cheap way to do it. Right. Like, uh, I don't know if you remember, but game of Thrones season one, 
oh, there's going to be like this big battle. And then uh, Tyrion yeah. gets knocked out. Yeah. And then uh. they, don't have to, <laughs> they don't have to do the battle. But going back to what you said um, kind of reassured me on the multiple villain kind of thing. Because, yeah, the Dark Knight does have three villains technically. You know, the Mafia. Yeah, Joker true. and Two Face. So, yeah, I mean, I, I I guess it can work, but but still, like I I'm I'm thinking about Spe- uh, Amazing Spider Man Two, um, Spider Man Three, Batman Forever, Batman and Robin. You know, so yeah, I, I, you've reassured me too. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, it's all about the hands of the director, yeah. <laughs> and I've. I'm, probably sound like a broken record to say how much i trust matt reeves in this but i he just reminds me of christopher nolan the way he handles stories and characters which i just love the idea that he's doing a, a batman movie and i just think it's going to be something different from the dark knight trilogy but have that same level of quality that i think that we've come to expect from batman movies now after christopher nolan did it so yeah not only that he also has experience with a franchise a big franchise right? exactly um, yeah and you, you were talking about about it earlier you know the pipe dream of you know the 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 marvel cinematic universe in the dc cinematic universe right that whole like it's all connected to this big picture thing there's all the heroes interacting with each other so yeah i think it i think it can work yeah this is a lot to be excited about really with this just the news of batman movie but the release date when Matt Reeves has planned the direction he wants to go. And yeah, I guess, you know, yeah, it is a bummer that Ben Affleck is no longer involved in it. And, uh, but the fun part is waiting to see who's going to be cast as the next Batman. But for me, I'm not someone who ever likes to do fan casting. And to be honest, I'm already kind of <laughs> tired of seeing all these articles and reports about here's why this actor would be a good Batman is here are the top five choices of actors who should play Batman. It's just, I'll react to it and think about it once I actually hear who is who is the next Batman, and then I'll give my opinion on it there. Because right now I really don't have anyone in mind who I think should play Batman. Because I never would have thought uh, Ben Affleck never would have been a choice of mine to play <laughs> Batman. And we all know the uproar that happened in 2013. It's crazy how times change. I mean, 2013, Ben Affleck was cast fandom erupted in outrage i shouldn't say all of it but the good majority of it just did not want ben affleck involved with batman and now i guarantee you most of those people who are upset about ben affleck are the ones upset now that he's no longer batman i mean he did a good job of winning over the naysayers there i mean like i said his performance was great it's just a shame that he never got to really dive his teeth into a full-blown batman story where he i think he just really give us something truly special on the front of Bruce Wayne and Batman. Cause I think he did a good job as both. And a little bit we saw of him in BBS and justice league. Just a shame. We're not going to see more of that. So, but I've got to give a props and tip my hat to Ben Affleck and to say, you know, what a good job he's did in the limited time that he had as Batman. And, and like I said, at the beginning, it's just a shame that we're just not going to see him as in that role as more in his own solo movie and unfortunately i think his legacy as batman is going to be one that is just sadly underutilized and just lost potential really i think is the best way to put it because we see we saw the potential of how great he was as batman and it's just a shame he didn't get more of that so ben affleck 
thank you for a great performance as Batman. And, you know, I think you'll be remembered as one of the better live action Batman that we've had. So um, his legacy is cemented as one of the actors who played Batman. Okay. So um, what if it's Josh Gad? (laughs) As Batman. Yeah. Hey, I've come to a point where I'm never going to be so upset at any casting announcement anymore after Heath Ledger. I've said that numerous times, how wrong I was, how stupid I acted when I heard he was cast as the Joker, and I will never make that mistake again. So (laughs) maybe I will think he's right for the role, but I'm always going to have an open mind to whoever gets cast in a role that I'm looking forward to seeing. Danny DeVito. (laughs) (laughs) As Batman, he brings experience of the Batman world with his portrayal as Penguin. So maybe he'll bring some of that to his portrayal as Batman. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I'm I'm just trying to think of like a like an actor where you would just say no. Um, hmm. Sean Connery. <laughs> I think that'd be cool, actually. <laughs> no, no, no. Nowadays. <laughs> How, how he is now? Oh, we haven't seen him in years. Like he's retired from acting. Oh, so. right. Yeah, he retired. <laughs> Never mind. I'm not Sean Connery. Um, I'm just trying to uh, Martin Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely be a different take, but I like Martin Freeman. <laughs> yeah. He was in uh, not Lord of the Rings, right? He was in The Hobbit. The Hobbit, right? Yeah, he yeah. was Bilbo. Yeah, I, I t- those movies are are, are kind of like the um, uh, the Planet of the Apes movies, the recent ones. It's where like they released three of them, but I just can't remember a single thing from them. <laughs> you know, I I know at one point uh, Woody Harrelson was in them. He was in the last Planet of the Apes movie. Yeah. Yeah. He did a good job in that role too. He was the bad guy. Yeah, right, right. Um, Woody Harrelson. <laughs> yeah, why not? Southern Batman. You can uh, change his accent if you wanted to. And why not? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, hmm. What's one actor that you would not like in that role? Um, I can't really say Jake Gyllenhaal, but because he would actually be good in it. But yeah, I know he's a big uh, fan casting yeah. actor that people want. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I'm out of ideas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> see, you can have a tough time with yeah. that one. <laughs> well, if you come up with one, let me know. <laughs> yeah, I will. I will. <laughs> but and lastly, this happened. Not too long after we recorded our last episode, like a few days and a bit before all this news came out. But uh, Birds of Prey has officially started production and they put out this um, short little teaser video showing that production is beginning. There's really not much to it. It's maybe just about 30 seconds, but it gives us our first look at the actors getting ready to play their characters. Some in costume. It's funny. Some of them look like they were in their costume. Some looks like they were just in, you know, doing a screen test (laughs) Like, like not really in full costume, but getting ready to prepare. So, but I just think it was just cool that Warner Brothers and Margot Robbie decided to release this video. You know, I always like it when studios get a jump ahead as far as 
what the character is going to look like before production starts and all these uh, set photos leak out because some set photos have already been uh, out on the internet for filming of Birds of Prey. So they wanted to stay ahead of the game and release this video to give us our first look this way. And I always like that. So all the characters are in this video. I mean, it's kind of some of them are blink and you miss it. So you have to <laughs> go through it in slow motion. But we get to see Harley in her new outfit. We get to see Huntress. We get to see um, Black Canary, Renee Montoya, Cassandra Kane. Black Mass, Ewan McGregor as Black Mass without his mask. So <laughs> that's one of those instances where hopefully he's not in his full costume because I will be really disappointed if he's not wearing his Black Mask. <laughs> why, else, why else will they call it Black Mask? But that's one of those things. So I'm sure it's, you know, it's just something where they're not filming any scenes with him in his Black Mask yet. So, But they wanted to make sure they showed Ewan McGregor that he is in this role. So, um, And then also Victor Zaz, who is sporting his blonde hair, the thing I was most anticipating in the movie, Dane. <laughs> blonde-haired Victor Zaz, and he, we're getting it in Birds of Prey. So, yeah, it was just cool to get. Again, nothing really too earth-shattering to go off of. We're just getting a look at the characters and the visual style for the movie. So I just think it was a cool thing for Warner Brothers and Margot Robbie to do to give us a first look at it as production gets going. Yeah, Margot Robbie looks uh, good in it. It's too bad I couldn't really tell, see anybody else in it because it's way too fast. Yeah, like I said, blinking you missed on yeah. certain characters. Um, especially for like someone like Ewan McGregor, you know, as Black Mask. I, th- I think you need to spend a little bit more time on him, you know, but mm. maybe that's just me. Yeah, well, when I first saw it, I didn't even see Ewan McGregor. Yeah. It went by that quick, and then when I was seeing screen grabs from it on Twitter, it's all, oh, so they did show Ewan McGregor. <laughs> and I rewatched it, I go, oh, there he is. Yeah. It was like that for a few characters, because Sandra Kane was another one where I didn't notice right away. But yeah. I'll say, you know, that's another thing. I did see some complaints about, complaints about it on Twitter saying, oh, what's the point of this? They didn't show anything. I mean, this is nothing. But it's like, Better than nothing, this is, there was a time where when production started on a movie, we wouldn't be getting videos like this at all. You still have to wait a good while to get a first teaser trailer. So, again, it's cool that I think movie studios are doing this to avoid you know set photos being our first look at these characters. Why not just put out a short video like this, even if it doesn't really show anything? It's just a cool little thing to get fans excited that you know this movie is in production. So, yeah. hopefully this is a new thing that a lot more studios do. I mean, I think the main thing that I got from it was they have a direction that they're they're, mm-hmm. they're going with. They have a style that they're going with. Um, you know, it's not really taking themselves seriously. You know, yeah. Uh, with Margot Robbie dancing around and you know in in that big fur coat thing. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I, I mean that's what I sort of get out of it. You know, it's, they have a direction, they have a style they're going with, and, you know, th- this is what it's going to be, which is what I think this video is for, so. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's what it should do, so, yeah, no problems with it whatsoever. Yeah. All right, so I think that's going to do it for our feature topic, which is pretty much a roundup of our news and discussion topics, but there was a lot of big stuff regarding DC and the Batman, and obviously the biggest being the release date of the Batman and that. Ben Affleck is officially done now in the role. So um, with that, I guess we can just go into our conversation with Alex slash listener feedback. And as always, we got a new email from Jordan. And Jordan says, hey, my bad brothers, I loved hearing you guys pick your favorites of the year 2018 on your last episode. 
I dig the new categories you've added. Here are my picks. Favorite live action movie, Aquaman. Being our only live action DC film released in 2018, Aquaman had a lot riding on its shoulders and it delivered 100%. This movie continues the DCEU's trend of delivering visually breathtaking films and Aquaman is truly like no live action movie before it. It oozes Jason Momoa's Aquaman's super entertaining personality from start to finish. Black Man distills every scene he's in, and the film has both super emotional scenes and super epic action scenes. Which, by the way, I think they just been announced not too long ago, or maybe even yesterday or the two days ago. But Aquaman is coming out on digital and Blu-ray in the month of March. I believe it's March 12th for the digital and the 26th for the Blu-ray. Um, the same two-week gap. That's always with the digital and physical media releases, which, you know, bugs me, but <laughs> I've just got to expect it now. So uh, maybe I don't have the official details right in front of me, but it's definitely in March in those typical two week gaps. But I'll be excited to get on uh, 4K, man. I think it's going to look absolutely stunning in 4K. So can't wait for that. But Jordan's favorite animated movie was Batman Gotham by Gaslight. Not only is Batman Gotham by Gaslight my favorite animated film of 2018, but it is my favorite animated film of all time. It took a comic that I love and added in the one element that could make the story even better for me. Selena Kyle. Jennifer Carpenter is batastic in the role, and I love how this movie really showcases the hero that Selena is. The way it explores the Bat-Cat relationship and how Bruce and Selena understand one another is super beautiful. Favorite live-action TV show? Gotham. The second half of season four of Gotham aired in 2018 and was full of so many super beautiful Bat-Cat moments. After we didn't see much of Bruce and Selina together for most of the first half of season four, and the second half, or I should say the second half more than made up for that. My favorite single live-action TV episode ever, One Bad Day, aired in 2018, and it features multiple uh, beautiful Bat-Cat moments, such as Bruce, I'm going to be here whenever you need me, leading up to the super beautiful Bat-Cat kiss at the end. Favorite animated TV show, Justice League Action. The first oh, season. Tim. Um, yeah. I don't want to keep on forgetting to, to mention on this show. Um, True Detective Season 3, right? Mm-hmm. I've been watching it, and um, there's this guy in there, this African-American guy. I, I could have swore I'd seen his face before. Like, I, I've, I've seen him in something. It was Cyborg. Oh, really? He was in yeah. there. What's his name? Um, Ray Fisher. Ray, Ray Fisher. Fisher. There you yeah, go. Yeah. yeah. Good actor. Is he, is he one of the main characters in it? No, no. He plays uh, the son of one of the main characters. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, good actor. I didn't. Yeah. It's a total surprise. I thought he was just, you know, sort of like a, a movie actor. I didn't know he also did TV. So. Yeah, it looks like, you know, Unfortunately, we're not going to see him as Cyborg again, and I thought he did a great job at Cyborg, so yeah. it's like another unfortunate loss of an actor from the DCEU, Ben Affleck and Ray Fisher, and Henry Cavill still up in the air, but I'm not putting too much confidence that Henry Cavill will be back, even though I'd love to see him return, but yeah. it's almost like a casualty list coming out of Justice League right now. <laughs> the only survivors are uh, Gal Gadot and Jason Momoa. Also on True Detective Season 3, Scoot McNary, oh. <laughs> who played that it's, guy in the wheelchair. Yeah, it's a DCEU reunion, is it? Yeah. <laughs> still want to check out that show. I know I've heard nothing but great things about it. Yeah, but it's 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 really good uh, this year. So, 
Yeah, I've heard this thing's been really good. So. Yeah, I just didn't uh, recognize Ray Fisher uh, without the the, the metal uh, yeah. <laughs> the metal head, the metal body, pretty the much. Metal body. <laughs> yeah. But Jordan continues saying his favorite animated TV show is Justice League Action. The first season of Justice League Action wrapped up in 2018, and it ended with a bang. This series has such a fantastic cast, especially Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill back as Batman and the Joker respectively, and Charlie um, Slatter repraising his role as Flash from the Batman and many other projects. I love the animation style of it, and the stories it tells in its short episodes are super entertaining. My jaw is still on the floor from one episode that aired in 2018, Barehanded, which features a nod to Green Lantern, the animated series I still can't believe they put in there. Yeah, Jets League action. I haven't seen every episode, but I did catch most of the episodes that wrapped up this season, and it was great, like Jordan said, especially the Green Lantern ones. That episode, barehanded, where Hal Jordan loses his Green Lantern ring in the sink of a public bathroom, <laughs> and he has to end up taking a ride with the Galactic, with the cabbie. And so there's a lot of fun stuff that happens. And yes, Jordan, I know exactly what you're talking about as far as that Green Lantern animated series reference they put in there with Aya. So that was cool. And his favorite album is Aquaman, the original motion picture soundtrack. Rupert Gregerson Williams followed up his Batastic Wonder Woman score with a Batastic score for the King of Atlantis as well. I bought it when it came out a week before the film's release, and I was listening to it. And a super intimidating and epic track came on. I remember thinking, this has to be Black Mantis theme. I immediately looked at my phone to see what track it was, and indeed I was right. That theme is perfect for him. I also love uh, Skylar Gray's song, Everything I Need. A few emails ago, we ranked our favorite lyrical songs used in DCEU, and that was before Aquaman. Now that Aquaman has been released, my list definitely needs a, a revision, because Everything I Need has to be on it now, as does another song used in Aquaman that didn't make it onto the soundtrack album, but that I loved even more than Everything I Need. She's a Mystery to Me by Roy Orbison. That song plays when Arthur and Mera are in Sicily, and I bought it separately right after seeing the film for the first time because I loved it so much. Yeah, the Aquaman score what really was good. I think that's an underrated aspect of the movie. It's one of those films where, as I'm seeing the movie for the first time, the music's really sticking out with me that I liked. So I, that's always great when it happens. So the fact that Aquaman did that was really cool. Has some great character themes and then also throws in some synth style <laughs> music for the soundtrack that worked really well for some of the sequences in Atlantis. So... Overall, I agree, Jordan. It is a great soundtrack. So who sings that first song? Then? Uh, Skylar Gray, I think he said is the name of the oh, artist. Skylar Gray. No, okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I think it's heard. probably the song yeah. that plays at the end credits of the film, mm. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And when when do they play the Ray Orbison? It's kind of so. in the middle, like you said, when they're Arthur and Mirror in Sicily right before the attack of Black Mantha, where they're just kind of walking around the village mm. interacting with certain people there are they actually actually in italy or is it a green screen we're in canada sort of thing that's a good question i'm not sure yeah. they look like it was at least for certain shots i know not every shot it's probably especially the action sequence there probably wasn't but maybe just in those moments where they're walking around it was but i'm not yeah. sure if not they did a great job of making it look like sicily so didn't they shoot um attack of the clones yeah, and episode Italy. one. Uh, and episode one. Pretty much oh. the exterior of the palace on Naboo yeah. is all in Italy. So Yeah, that's that's what I was gonna say. Naboo is space Italy. Right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's like tattooing in space, um 
Oh, now I forget the country's name. Tunisia. Tunisia. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tunisia. Exactly. Where did they shoot um, Jakku? That was in Abu Dhabi. Oh, Abu Dhabi. Yeah. Okay. So you got to go to a different country for a different planet, even though they're both deserts. <laughs> but, but Jordan continues his list by saying his favorite video game was Batman, the enemy within. And you know what? Honestly, I forgot that it was even out in 2018, the last few episodes, because Jordan goes, um, I know for game of the year, this wouldn't count as eligible for 2017 rather than 2018, given that the episodes began in 2017. But since the final two episodes came out in 2018, I'm counting it for the purpose of this. And that's totally fine, Jordan. If a game came out in 2018, you can count it. Even if you didn't and you just played it this year, as Dane did with Super Mario Odyssey. It's all good. <laughs> but he goes, the first season delivered so many super beautiful Bat-Cat moments. And the second season gifted us with even more. The rooftop kiss and the kiss in the Bat-Cave being my favorites. The second season also blew me away, just as the first season did by putting me in the shoes of both Batman and Bruce Wayne in a way I'd never expected before which is something I'd always dreamed of. I also love the trend that Batman The Enemy Within continues from the first season of putting a super brilliant twist on the mythology that keep us constantly on our toes. Yes, indeed. And again, it's just unfortunate that it looks like that'll be it <laughs> for the, that Batman series. But at least they gave us two phenomenal Batman gaming experiences. That's unfortunate. I know. I know. Total closing down. It's just sad. Hopefully those... Developers who work there I'll go to different studios or maybe form another studios. Yeah. Start back up. They can work together again and make more games like that. Cause right. It's so talented and there's so much fun. <laughs> those games they created that you definitely want to have more of them. Did you play the Game of Thrones one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was that any good or no? no? That was good. Probably not as good as uh, the Batman one. Right. But um, it was. I had fun with it. There's because you're playing three different characters that their stories don't all inter- intersect but they do have connections in some ways but you get some tough choices by the end and in typical game of thrones fashion if you make the wrong ones your characters don't get happy endings so yeah, right, right. <laughs> that's what makes it fun so, so are you playing as like i don't know sansa no you interact yeah. with the main characters but you're never playing as the main character oh i see so so you're playing like a like a group of people that they made up that aren't in the books or the the, the movies yeah. I mean, uh, TV show mm. oh. so one character you're playing is like a family of the north um, and then once the Boltons take over you're dealing with Ramsey Bolton a lot so oh, I see and then another character who's joins the Night Watch so you're following him there you interact with Jon Snow and oh, you're, up, you're up on yeah. you're up on the wall and then you go through you know <laughs> the land where the wildlings are at so and mm. then another character you're playing She's related to, um, I forget, I think she's a brother of the family that you're playing with that's in the north, and but she's in King's Landing, and so you're her dealing with, you know, playing pretty much the Game of Thrones there, <laughs> with dealing with Cersei, dealing with Queen Marjorie, so, you know, trying to make sure you survive, but <laughs> that's probably the worst place in the Seven Kingdoms at that point, so it is, it, it is it, fun. Is it me, or is it every scene in King's Landing, it looks miserably hot? Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say, yep, you're exactly right. Yeah, I mean, especially for like, I don't know, the the, the guy that plays the mountain. It's always wear the armor and stuff. So, I, don't I, know, know. I can't, 
can't imagine when the Starks went there for the first time. Coming from the north, how cold it is, and you come to right. <laughs> King's Landing, how it looks like hot, sticky, and sweaty it is. Would want to go back immediately. Yeah, it's like if if you're an actor on Game of Thrones, where would you rather be? Would you rather be up north in Iceland, or would you rather be wherever they filmed the King the King's Landing scenes? I would think. Well, for me personally. I just love how the snow and the scenery looks in Iceland. I, yeah. So I'd want to stay there, but I'm sure it's more uncomfortable being in that real cold weather and yeah. having to be real bundled up. But Or or a nice little in-between, which is Scotland, right? They film yeah. Scotland. Uh, they, I, for, I, I forget the name of the Stark's home. Uh, Winterfell. Winterfell, yeah. yeah. Don't they film that over there? Yeah, I believe yeah. they do. Yeah, that would be the perfect spot. I love how that looks. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, Jordan, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's us. You know the tangents we always go on. Yeah. <laughs> Jordan says, favorite comic book writer, Tom King. Uh, or I should say, I skipped one. His favorite comic book series is Batman. So I'm sure this doesn't come as any surprise to anyone, nor will my pick for the next category, which I just spoiled. <laughs> the Batman Rebirth run continues to be my favorite comic book run of all time. The way it explores my OTP, Batman, and Catwoman is an absolute dream come true for me as a massive Bat-Cat shipper. While overall the whole run has been a love letter to the Bat-Cat relationship, certain issues in particular really feel that way. And 2018 gave us two more of those, Batman number 44 and, of course, Batman 50. And as I said earlier, my favorite comic book writer is Tom King. Um, just as my, or Just as Batman is my favorite comic book series of 2018, Tom is, of course, my favorite comic book writer of 2018 and of all time. He shares my love of the Bat-Cat relationship. He truly understands why Batman and Catwoman are endgame. And he writes their relationship better than anyone ever has before. Tom truly writes poetry. His favorite comic book artist, Stanley Artgerm Lau. Um, you might expect me to pick either Jim Lee or Joel Jones for this, and I almost did. But I had to go with Artgerm due to his super breathtakingly beautiful variant covers for the first arc of Joel's Catwoman book. My favorite is his variant cover for Catwoman 5, which is a Bat-Cat cover featuring Selina with Batman artistically wrapped around her, but I love them all so much. He has a super sleek and realistic style that just really appeals to me. Yeah, I had to check out that cover once you mentioned it here, Jordan, and I looked it up, and it was pretty cool. It's definitely an artsy style visual he was going for with Batman and Catwoman, but it's really different and unique. It was really cool. I liked it a lot. And his favorite experience? Batman and Catwoman's Wedding Day. I was looking forward to July 4th, 2018 more than, or let me start that again. I was looking forward to July 4th, 2018 more than any day since July 20th, 2012. As a massive Bat-Cat shipper, this day was something I'd always dreamed of, and it finally arrived. My OTP's wedding day was here. I read Batman 50 that morning, and I was just in a complete bat euphoria over yet another super beautiful love letter to my OTP that Tom had crafted. I was bawling over the super beautiful love letters between Batman and Catwoman within this love or within this love letter of an issue and the way the issue honors the bat-tastic history of the Bat-Cat relationship. While my OCP, I, I, I did like that, how he sort of made it like a letter going mm, back and forth to, to yeah. each. Uh, yeah, I did like how he did that. Yeah, it's a theme he's played with since the beginning of his run, really, where like mm. certain 
issues and story arcs, there would be the narrative just like a letter between the two of them. But yeah. it was on full display in Batman 50 when, and done really well, too, I agree. Mm. Um, he continues saying, well, my OTP didn't get married in Batman 50. Batman 50 is nonetheless a super beautiful tribute to Batman and Catwoman's love letter for one another, and I adore it so much. I leave you with a super beautiful passage from Batman's love letter in it. I can be the man who looks into your eyes, who sees beyond the green, the man who knows you, who will always try to know you better, the man who loves you, who will always try to love you better. And that's it for Jordan's picks, which is great to hear, Jordan. Glad to hear um, your favorites of 2018, as we did ours on last episode, and can't wait to ready for our favorites of 2019. And I have a feeling Tom King and Batman will still be your picks, favorite picks for 2019, but we'll see what else makes uh, the list in this year. But he continues in his email saying, the new Shazam TV spot, if I can talk, the new Shazam TV spot is fantastic. My favorite moment in it is at the beginning when Billy leaps off the roof and yells Shazam. That is quite the money shot. I love the dot to the Dark Knight with the he's not so serious slogan. And I also love the use of the same song from the teaser trailer. And again, I thought we'd have a new trailer to talk about on this episode, Dane for Shazam, but we're still waiting and we're just, you know, two under two months now away from the movie so i'm surprised he hasn't gotten one yet not only that we also haven't really heard any anything about uh the joker movie yeah they just wrapped up principal photography maybe about a month ago i think yeah so that's true we should maybe be expecting a trailer for that because that comes out in october i believe mm, right so maybe as we get closer to summer maybe when avenger comes out in april they'll put a trailer for joker on there well yeah i keep forgetting that that's that movie's coming out this year. Yeah. The, the, the Avengers. I know it's going to, that's just a few months away as well. <laughs> I mean, it, it comes out the same month as Shazam, which sometimes I forget because yeah. Avengers, all the movies used to come out in May, but last year they moved up infinity war to April and they did the same thing with Endgame for this year. So it's at the end of April. So just a few, like two-week window from Shazam to Infin- or Endgame. <laughs> it's going to be crazy that there's two superhero movies that close to each other, but I'm not yeah, complaining. You would, think, <laughs> yeah. you would think that they would have put out a Shazam trailer for the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's but, what I was expecting. But I guess not. And, and what was that whole weird thing about, like, Marvel isn't going to put out a Super Bowl trailer and then they end up putting out a Super Bowl trailer and... See, I didn't hear that they weren't. Maybe I just mm. wasn't keeping track of those reports, but they yeah. usually always put out something for one of their right. movies in the Super Bowl, so right. I was expecting <laughs> I thought, well, here's the thing. Maybe I just thought it was Captain Marvel, which they did. Maybe not Avengers Endgame, but they did both, oh, which was uh, great. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, yeah, well, hopefully next episode we'll have a Shazam trailer. <laughs> I would think they would like it attached to Captain Marvel coming out because that's just a month before shazam was out it's another superhero movie so it makes perfect sense that that would be the movie they're maybe they're waiting to attach it with but we'll see maybe this isn't the time frame to put out shazam you know at this moment it's not really a good idea yeah for whatever reason they don't they think so (laughs) but that's why we're not in charge of marketing i guess right (laughs) But Jordy continues saying, in my last email, I mentioned how I thought nods to Batman characters in Gotham City would become even more prevalent in the Flareoverse leading up to Batwoman's premiere now that she's made her debut. And now not only do we have the Wayne Tech car in the Flash episode, the Flash and the Furious, but since I wrote my last email, we've now also got a nod to the Mad Hatter in the Flash episode, 
memorabilia and nods to both Gotham City and Wayne Tech in Arrow's 150th episode, Emerald Archer. By the way, up until Elseworlds, I used to refer to the Flareoverse as simply the Arrowverse too. But now that the original Flash show has been fully incorporated into the universe, making it technically the first show set in the universe and making it so that two of the shows that comprise this universe are focused on the Scarlet Speedster, I felt it was time to start referring to the universe as the Flareoverse, as I know some other fans already had long before me. So that's the reasoning that we were asking last time of why we calling it the Flareoverse. And it makes sense. The old 1990s Flash series is in that continuity now. So <laughs> if that technically was the first one. So it makes sense, Jordan. Good job on that. But yeah, ever since that, the crossover episode with Batwoman, the Gotham and Batman references have just been flying out every episode now. <laughs> it's like they're running with Gotham being in this universe now, so which is cool. As we know, the Batwoman TV series is coming and might as well start using those references. Also, in my last email, I geeked out super hard over the preview pages for Batman 63. And now that the entire issue is out and I've read it, in this email, I can geek out super hard over the rest of it. I adore this issue so much. Spoilers. When I finished reading this issue for the first time, it felt like waking up from a dream I never wanted to end. Seeing Bruce and Selina happy together once again makes me super happy. And we see much more of the continuing off from the preview pages where we got three Bat-Cat kisses right at the beginning of the issue. Then there's one of the most heartbreakingly beautiful Bat-Cat moments ever. Throughout the issue, Constantine is warning Batman that Catwoman is going to die. But Batman isn't listening to him. Batman wants to only be with his wife. However, as we all know, Batman is the genius, and he eventually has to come to grips with the fact that Constantine is right. So riding with Catwoman in the Batmobile, which reminds me of when they ride through Gotham City together in the Everyone Loves Ivory story, Batman just asks Catwoman to kiss him. Catwoman is, of course, happy to oblige, but she, con- but she's confused as to the abruptness of Batman's request. Bat, what? She starts to ask. Kiss me now. While Batman can't explain, but we know it is because he knows Constantine is right, and he wants to make sure he savors every moment he has with the love of his life. He wants Catwoman to kiss him because he knows as soon he won't be able to risk or he won't be able to ask her to do so. Batman will have to watch Catwoman die. And then Batman will eventually have to wake up to a life where Catwoman left him. When we kiss, the pain goes away, Batman says. And Batman and Catwoman talk about that in the love letters all the way back into the I Am Suicide. When they're together, the pain of their respective past subsides. Batman needs Catwoman. She's the only person who truly makes him happy. Batwoman and Catwoman share a beautifully passionate kiss in the Batmobile. When they unlock their lips and look into each other's eyes, Catwoman asks, is that enough? No, never, her husband responds. This moment makes me completely sob, and I adore it. Batman always needs Catwoman, and like we see at the beginning of this issue, as I talked about in my last email when discussing the preview pages, he wants to be with Catwoman every single possible moment he can be. Here, Batman knows he's going back to a world where they're not married, yet, and he never wants his super beautiful dream to end. He never wants the happiness to end and the pain to return. Batman's response to Catwoman, there is also my response there or in any situation involving whether that's enough Bat-Cat, because I can never get enough of my OTP. This issue is a super beautiful reunion of Batman and Catwoman, even though it's just a nightmare, and it's taken my excitement level for them to finally reunite for real even further through the roof, which I wasn't sure was even possible given how extremely excited I, of course, was for that already. And then Detective Comics 9- 997 is Batastic 2. Spoilers, 
This issue actually reminds me a bit of what Tom did back in Batman 62 by really showing us through Batman's inner monologue how Batman thinks his way out of a death trap. Catwoman makes a little appearance in this issue that makes me both super happy and breaks my heart. I'm intrigued by the tease at the end of the issue too. Hugo Strange had a big role early on in Rebirth. I can't wait to see what Peter J. Tomasi has planned with him next. I'm writing this email the Tuesday prior to the Lego, the Lego Movie 2, the second part's released, but I got to see it almost two weeks early. I had to drive over an hour out of Atlanta to get to the theater where it was, show, where it was showing early, and it was 100% worth it. Coincidentally enough, back when the Lego Batman movie came out two years ago, I also took a long drive to see that, since I was living in a tiny town for college at the time, and the little theater in town didn't do a Thursday night screenings, and I couldn't wait to see the Lego Batman movie. Anyway, I just thought I'd share some non-spoilery thoughts on the Lego movie too. This film is Bat-tastic. Batman has a bigger role in it than he did in the first one, and there's even a Bat-tastic musical number involving him that features a Bat-tastic nod to the Bat-cat relationship that makes me super happy. So if it's as good as his song in the beginning of the Lego Batman 2, the heavy metal one, <laughs> then I'm all for it. <laughs> that song is awesome. <laughs> because Jason Lamore voices Aquaman in the Lego movie too, and it's super exciting seeing or uh, hearing him again in the role so soon after Aquaman's release. I hope you guys enjoy the Lego movie too, and I'm eager to hear your thoughts and then share some more in-depth spoilery thoughts with you. I got my ticket to see the Lego movie too a second time this Thursday, and I am super pumped for my second viewing. Yeah, for, I don't know if probably won't see the Lego movie too in theaters. Probably just wait for the home release on that one like I did the first one. But feel free to share your spoilerly thoughts with us on your next email, Jordan, because if Batman's in it more, then that's good. Because <laughs> uh, I'm really liking Will Arnett's portrayal of Batman every time I see new, whether it's a Lego Batman movie when that first came out or the new clips I'm seeing here or just hearing Will Arnett talk about is playing Batman. It's just a lot of fun. I just love how he plays the character. <laughs> so that's good that he's in this one more. As of my writing this email, the Justice League vs. the Fatal Five trailer dropped today. Kevin Conroy, George Newbern, and Susan Eisenberg all have some bat-tastic lines in it, and it's just exciting hearing them all as a trinity again. I'm super hyped that the DCAU versions, presumably, of the trinity interact with Jessica Cruz and Miss Martian as we see a bit of it in the trailer, as we're so used to seeing them interact with Jon Stewart and Martian Manhunter. While this film looks to be a bat-tastic throwback to Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, That'll add a new dynamic to it as well. This is certainly another animated movie I'm super excited about. Yeah, I saw the trailer too, and I'm right there with you, Jordan. I'm just loving that this movie looks to be a continuation of Justice League, the animated series, but yet with a new roster of characters and new recent characters created in the comics like Jessica Cruz. So, yeah, it seems to be a nice culmination of familiar uh, looks at our heroes with Kevin Conroy, George Newbern, and Susan Eisenberg back as Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman mixing up with some new characters. And that Bruce Tim Justice League style always looks great. So <laughs> I'm excited about this one too. Okay, a couple of questions to wrap this email up. With Kyodai Ken now being incorporated into the main DC continuity, which other non-canical character would you most want to see incorporated into the main continuity? For me, it's Ethan Bennett from The Batman. What The Batman does with this best friend of Bruce and the GCPD detective over the course of the series is a stroke of genius. I know you watched the first few episodes of The Batman, Tim, so you've met Ethan, but that's only the very start of the brilliance that is in his arc. I won't spoil it, but I think you're going to be blown away by it when you finally watch The Batman. Which, by the way, The Batman is finally now on the DC Universe app. <laughs> we were asked, wondering you know, where it is. It wasn't on Netflix. It wasn't on the DC Universe app, but 
it is now on there. So when I do sign up, I'll be able to catch up on these episodes, Jordan. But I did see the first, like I said, I did see most of the first season, and I know about uh, what happens to Ethan in that first season. Maybe I don't know all the details, but basically I know he turns into Clayface by the Joker is somehow involved with that. But other than that, I don't know if he shows up again, if he gets cured, he stays as Clayface. So that'll be something I'll have to look out for or or see unfold once I get to watching this episode. But I agree. He was a pretty cool new character created for the series. Someone who was a friend of Bruce and working in the GCPD it was a cool story angle to, you know, go with in this series and a new direction to look at Bruce as his role as Batman and having his friend, as someone in the GCPD. So I thought that was a cool little uh, thing to put in the series for the time. And probably would be cool to see that character being brought in the continuity as well. So good call on that one. I agree. But for me, I think I'm going to go um, with the Batman, of course, with Batman, the animated series. But this one is kind of different because, well, different yet maybe not unique in a way because I'm going to say the Great Ghost. And the Great Ghost, I know, is a character that's been referenced a lot in Batman comics, some in continuity, some in not. But I just think the character can be used as someone who actually existed in the DC universe. Or at least the actor who was there have Batman interact with him. Because I don't think that's been done yet. Like I said, it's mainly just been nods and references to the Great Ghost. But we've never actually seen him. But I think it would just be cool if the Great Ghost was an actual hero from the Golden Age. And maybe he was just a character they decided to base short uh, serial movies off of <laughs> that Bruce got to know about. But I just think that character is look is just really cool and fits in that Golden Age of the DC Universe. It would be cool if that was like a real hero who Batman looked up to and then eventually got to meet and work with. I always love that aspect of the story. So Grey Ghost would be one I'd like to see. Unless I'm mistaken and they did do a story that I haven't read <laughs> or know, knew about, about the Grey Ghost being in the actual DC continuity. But as far as my memory goes, I don't think he has been. Like I said, just a lot of references and Easter eggs and nods there. So, But I think he'd be a character who would be cool to be brought in the continuity as well. How about you, Dane? Yeah, sure. Great ghost. Killed I can. Um, but I'm going to go with the, the most important one, which is Barbara Wilson. From, uh, <laughs> Batman and Robin. <laughs> you know, she she was raised in uh, England, even though she doesn't have a hint of an accent. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Barbara Wilson for me. You see... Um... I know Alfred's brother has been like there is a continuity comics continuity version of Alfred's family and his brother. But I don't remember if he actually had a daughter and his name was Barbara, though. I kind of doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. Regardless, that wasn't the way to go with Batgirl and Batman and Robin. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was that wasn't too good. Just make her Barbara Gordon. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't know. How about Gordon? <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, Jordan's second question is, since you guys were discussing a couple of them on your last episode, I figured I would ask you how you rank the live action Batmobiles. I'm not including the one on Titan because although from what we can see, it looks uh, fantastic, we don't get a complete clear look at it. And therefore, I don't feel it can be ranked along with the others yet. I'm also not including the Batmobiles using the serials because while they look fantastic, they're simply regular cars, <laughs> which is true. My ranking is number six, the Batman and Robin Batmobile. Number five, the Batman Forever Batmobile. Number four, the Batman 66 Batmobile. Number three, the Batman 89 and Batman Returns Batmobile. 
Number two, the DCEU Batmobile. And number one, the Tumblr. And my list is going to be number six, the Batman Forever Batmobile, as we talked about last episode, how that's the worst Batmobile design ever <laughs> that Batman and Robin follows. And then number four, I'm going to go with the Tumblr. Uh, number three, the Batman, uh, the Batmobile from the 66 series. It's such a cool, sleek design that I don't think is ever going to look old. <laughs> then I'm going to go with the DCEU Batmobile as well. I thought that was a really cool look, kind of a hybrid of a classic Batmobile and the Tumblr. But no surprise here. Number one, 89 Batman Returns Batmobile. The greatest Batmobile ever. The greatest car design ever. It's just, <laughs> it can't be beat. It's the coolest car ever. It just looks amazing. So. That is my number one pick with no surprise to anyone. All right, so I'm just going to do three. My, my first one, of course, is going to be uh, the Tumblr. I mean, you, you just can't beat it, right? Well, I'm sure you can. The 89 Batmobile. No, you can't. No, you can't, Tim. <laughs> um, so three is the Tumblr. Two, of course, is Batman and Robin Batmobile. Yeah. And number one... <laughs> Number one, Tim. Can you guess it? Say it with mm. me. The Batman, Batman Forever. Forever Batmobile. Hey, how did I know you were going to pick that one, Dave? <laughs> because, I mean, it just looks beautiful with all of its ribs and light in there for no reason. Um, you just <laughs> the can't way it could it. drive up walls like no yeah. other. You just can't beat it. Not in, not in animated movies, animated TV shows, video games, comics, movies. Etc. You just can't beat it. <sighs> the only thing that makes me feel better about that, Dane, is knowing that you're joking. Because <laughs> if you were serious, then I don't know. This podcast might have to be over. <laughs> it would unacceptable. Be done. Yeah, you would never talk to me again. <laughs> You'd have to buy me the 1989 Batmobile for making me to forgive you. <laughs> No, seriously, my number one is the Tumblr. Number two is the 89. Uh, number three, uh, I didn't like the movies, but I will say um, the Batman versus Superman Batmobile. Yeah, it is a cool look. Yeah. Have, have you seen that Walmart commercial where they're advertising like their pickup, like the, where you just order online and you pick it up? Yeah, and yeah. All these classic, like, iconic cars racing over there and that batmobile was one of them <laughs> yeah what was that was that just a commercial or yeah oh that was a uh, super bowl commercial that was actually before the super bowl but oh. you're right it does feel like one of those commercials yeah. that would have been for the super bowl <laughs> oh yeah it's a real cool commercial though mm. but that's it for jordan's email as always he says bat cat forever from the first kiss to the last your bad brother jordan so thanks, as always, for your email, Jordan, and we'll look forward to your next one. And with that, we could normally, I would say, move on to our comic book reviews. But as I said at the beginning of this episode, I haven't had a chance to get to my comic book shop, so I am still behind on several issues. But I did want to have some review at the end, and I did finally get to watch the Reign of the Superman animated movie. So I'll be giving a quick review of that. But before I do, Dane, what should our rating scale be? Um, well, before we get to the rating scale, what I should have said, uh, for my non-canonical DC character to be in the canon, uh -huh. I should have said, uh, Misbehaven from, uh, Misbehaven? Yeah, the, the Vivica A. Fox character. Uh, uh the what Vivica A. Fox. 
oh. from Batman and Robin. <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> like even when you said the name, like that's not ringing a bell. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I just typed in Batman and Robin into Wikipedia. <laughs> I was going through the cast list. I was like misbehaving. I, I I don't even remember Vivica A. Fox in that movie. Uh, yeah, neither do I. Well, there's a lot I don't remember about that movie. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and also Julie Madison was in. That, movie. Yeah, that I, totally I do forgot. remember. I totally <laughs> forgot about that. <laughs> Talk about underutilized. Yeah. yeah, she's in like one scene. She only yeah, has like two lines. Yeah, I think so. Like, well, yeah. maybe two. One where her and Bruce are at some gallery where they bump into Poison Ivy. And oh, they have right. Yeah. Did then their dinner scene at the Batcave where yeah, she, yeah. They wanna get, she wants to get married or something like that. <laughs> um, but our rating scale for this episode is gonna be underutilized characters in Batman and Robin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I knew it had to be. <laughs> but it sounds perfect. So yeah, Reign of the Superman, I'm going to be going into spoilers in this review, so if you haven't seen the movie yet and you don't want to know about it, might want to hold off and then come back after you see the movie to hear what I thought. So, Death of Superman, I really loved that movie. I thought they did a great job adapting that aspect of the Death of Superman story and was really excited about you know seeing the next part of it, which was Reign of the Superman, and just how to finally get a full, complete story of the death of Superman be told in two movies. So, yeah, I was super excited about it. I felt the first movie delivered. And with the Reign of the Superman, unfortunately, it didn't quite do it for me. I left seeing the movie pretty, I don't know about pretty disappointed, but I was disappointed in general with it. Um, but... I guess I'll just start off with the negative aspect of it. Um, and I should say going into the movie, I wasn't too familiar or I shouldn't say not too familiar, but it's been forever since I read the reign of Superman comics. I've only read it once as a kid when I was nine years old. So my memory of what transpired in that story wasn't that great. But at the same time, I going into this movie, I felt, well, that's kind of cool because I'll just go into the movie and see how they adapt it. And because I actually knew they were doing some different stuff with it. So, um, but I just didn't know how different because I didn't have a great memory of everything that transpired in the Reign of Superman story. So, but I was just going to go into it and see what they did. And if it worked, cool. And I'll look up after I see the movie to see how different it actually was. But uh, there is a comes a point in the movie where it reveals, you know, the big twist or the big change in direction they decided to go with the story. And, even without remembering everything that happened in the comic storyline, I knew right away, okay, this is different <laughs> and we'll see where it goes. But at the end of the day, it just didn't quite work for me. And that is pretty much dark side was behind everything with the death of Superman. He created doomsday. He sent doomsday to earth to kill Superman. Then he devised a plan to take the justice league out of earth. He sends them to this you know, pocket dimension where they're just fighting endless monsters and then it reveals he was the one behind Cyborg Superman. And his plan was pretty much to get Cyborg Superman to get the trust of the government and have him create this army of cyborg hybrid humans where he used mother box technology to have these any normal human um, come up. Because the whole point is that Cyborg Superman, after he gains the trust of the president in the Justice League disappeared, he goes, you know, we need to protect the Earth and defend it. And what better way to do that than using the technology that saved my life and bring it to normal humans. So he does that 
and turns any humans into like these mindless cyborgs who, you know, are there to protect the earth. But at the same time, they're just mindless puppets who will, of course, be used to dark size means. And that is to generate this boom tube to open the gate to bring dark side back to attack earth. Now that Superman's dead and there's no justice league. And, when I first saw that Darkseid was involved, I thought, mm, this is interesting. This this could work. We'll see where it goes. But at the end of the day, I wish they didn't do it. Um, Darkseid, his appearance in it felt really anticlimactic because if you're going to bring Darkseid in and have him use Cyborg Superman as his puppet to bring him back to Earth, I guess just go all the way and do it. Because there's a section at the end of the movie where the portal's open, Darkseid and his army is about to uh, invade Earth again. They're so close, but at the end of the day, um, Steel, Superboy, and the revived Superman stopped that. From, and Lois Lane stopped that from happening. I should throw in Lex Luthor in here, too. He actually helped at the end, was kind of a hero. Um, they all stopped that from happening. Darkseid never invades Earth. And it's just felt, I don't know, very anticlimactic where you see Darkseid trying to make this triumphant return to Earth. And the portal closes. And you just see him go, no, <laughs> like, like I'm trapped again. And that's it. You don't hear from Darkseid again. I just didn't like how Darkseid was had to be involved in the creation of Doomsday and the death of Superman. It's just like it does it, one of those things where not everything has to be connected and be this well orchestrated by this um, mastermind. And uh, I just wanted it to be this death of Superman story that deals with Doomsday and Cyborg Superman being the main antagonist. And I didn't like how it kind of undermined Cyborg Superman, in my opinion. Where, like I said, he was just Darkseid's puppet. And they tried to do it at the end where, no, his hatred and motivation for this, for trying to kill Superman again, is because he hates Superman for him not being there to save him and his wife. And that was his motivation. And that was good enough to, for me how it was in the comics. And But he, he didn't need Darkseid because he kind of said how Darkseid honed my hatred and made me realize how I could use it as a weapon to get revenge. And it just, to me, it was just unnecessary. I just felt like Darkseid, as much as I love the character, he's one of my favorite villains, it just felt unneeded. And it's an unnecessary addition and almost like a plot twist for this movie that, for me, it just didn't work and I wasn't a fan of. Um, because it undermined certain characters to me, like Cyborg Superman as being a really great main antagonist. So that was a little disappointing and probably my biggest complaint about the movie. But um, I will say I loved the first half of it. I loved how they introduced the four different Superman, Superboy, Steel, Cyborg Superman, the Eradicator. I thought they were all handled really well. There's this great action sequence with them kind of in the beginning of the movie where Lex is having this, you know, uh, party where he's revealing his, how Superboy is his, you know, new Superman. He's part of LexCorp. He's going to be the hero um, that is going to protect Metropolis now that Superman's dead. But then all the Supermen get involved. And it's a pretty cool action sequence, I got to say seeing them all fight against each other. I really liked that a lot. And another good aspect of it too was it almost felt like it was Lois Lane's movie. I mean, she really shined in this one where she was the main focus throughout most of the film, especially in the first half was her investigating about the Superman, um, trying to expose who cyborg Superman really is revealing that discovering he's Hank Henshaw. So there's a lot of good aspects to this movie, but just the main storyline is what really holds it back for me as far as being a really good story telling of the death of superman story and like i said how i wasn't familiar with everything that went down in the original comic story but after i saw the movie i went back and read up on it and then remembered exactly what happened in the actual comic storyline and to me that just would have been enough it was just cyborg superman 
you know, there was a story where he teams up with Mongo, they destroy Coast City, which sets off a chain of events with Hal Jordan becoming Parallax. I don't think they needed to do that, but just have something where Cyborg Superman really does something to show how evil he is without the manipulation of Darkseid. Like he could have destroyed a portion of Metropolis, and you know that would have added to the big conflict that him and Superman would have at the end, where Superman being revived would have to defeat Cyborg Superman and restore Metropolis. This little different ways I think they could have went without involving Darkseid and have that being the main, you know, threat they had to stop. So the return of Superman 2, or I should say the return of the actual Superman when he was revived, I thought that was handled well. Just his fight with uh, Cyborg Superman, for the most part, wasn't too exciting until at the very end when um, Lois opens the sun rays on the watchtower and he's exposed to the rays of the sun and gets his full powers back and takes out Cyborg Superman. That was cool, but um, this that action, the whole ending was pretty much anticlimactic for me in my opinion with the dark side stuff and then superman's final fight with cyborg superman but um there was some other great moments in there too the justice league they weren't in it as much as the death of superman but there was a cool little action sequence at uh in the middle part where they're trying to protect the president and the civilians there was supposed to be the launch of the watchtower in space and they were there to protect the president and then the parademons invade and there was a cool action sequence there and some just great interactions with all the characters, more great stuff with Green Lantern. Nathan Billion does a great job as Hal Jordan <laughs> in these movies, so it's always a plus when he's in there. But um, yeah, so overall, I guess if I were to score it, I'd give it three out of five underutilized characters from Batman and Robin. Like I said, the first half I really enjoyed. I liked how they introduced the four different Superman and then now uh, the Justice League was involved, even though minimal, they were used pretty well. And Lois was great in the movie, but just the main story and the dark side stuff really brought it down for me. And the last half of it just didn't quite measure up to what I enjoyed in the death of Superman and then the first half of this movie. So, yeah, I'm going to give it a three. And at the end of the day, um, this whole adaption of the death of Superman, um, that one's harder to score because it really <laughs> is a tale of two stories, pretty much. Um, I just felt I will say they didn't quite nail it like I was hoping they would when it was first announced because they just really didn't stick the landing with the last half of the reign of Superman like I was hoping they would. So in the end, this is an enjoyable story, though. I'm glad they got to adapt it in a much more significant way than they did with Superman Doomsday in 2007. Just didn't quite uh, end on the way I was hoping with and how they used uh, the reign of the Superman, especially Cyborg Superman. So. Um, yeah, I'll give it a three, but um, in the end, it's cool that we just have another adaption of the story, which a full adaption, because that was always my biggest complaint about Superman Doomsday, just how rushed it felt. So even though there were some things I didn't like about this one, it's nice to have one full story that um, adapted the biggest stuff we remembered from the big event of the death of Superman. So, yeah, um, after this one, next is Batman or Justice League versus the Fatal Five, which looks really cool. And then Batman Hush, which is Kind of be in similar vein, I think, to Superman Doomsday and or not Superman Doomsday, the death of Superman and reign of the Superman and how that looks to be in the DC movie universe continuity. So we'll see if they do any changes to Hush like they did with reign uh, of the Superman. Oh, I oh. thought you were going to say a killing joke. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that's a good point, Dane. I will say the changes made here in reign of the Superman not nearly as bad as the killing joke <laughs> changes. <so. laughs> I think that will always have the unfortunate distinction of being one of the worst 
changes choices. or additions. Yeah. yeah, choice is another good word for these DC animated movies. <laughs> All right, so so was, I guess that's it from us, right? Yep, that's it. A little different episode. We yeah. had our news and discussion topics as our feature topic. Didn't have a comic reviews. That's why we had a movie review at the end. <laughs> right, right. Um, so yeah, just go over the the BatmanUniverse.net, Facebook.com slash BatmanUniverse, Twitter handles at BatmanUniverse, show's Twitter handles is at BatfansPodcast, Tim's Twitter handles at TimG311, and Dane's Twitter handles at DaneSaysBanana. Um, and you can rate and review the show on iTunes, and you can email the show at BatfansWithoutPants at gmail.com. So that's like we say at the end of every single episode today. We love each and every one of you with all of our bat and underutilized Batman and Robin's breakfast heart. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. We'll see you guys next time. See you next time, everybody. Yeah.